session with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter, like my page on Facebook, or follow me on Instagram to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 3104410555. Before I begin, first of all, I want to thank everyone who came out yesterday for my seminar on emotional intelligence. Um, I really enjoyed the topic and enjoyed the interaction with the group there, and I'll announce the next seminar for May as soon as it is booked, and I've uh, chosen the topic for that seminar. So again, thank you for everyone who was there. Now, uh, before I do the summary of the book for this past week, for this week, the book of the week is The Upward Spiral by Dr. Alex Korb. The Upward Spiral, Using Neuroscience to Reverse the Course of Depression, one small change at a time. Those of you who've been listening to the show for a couple of years now might remember that Dr. Korb came on the show a couple of years ago to talk about this book. It's a very good book. It talks a lot about research that supports different ways we can support our mental health, but especially to um, fend off or to treat depression and things we can do to make small steps to improve our mental health. And he provides the neuroscience research to back it up. So I hope you'll read that book with me and we'll talk about it next week. But the book for this past week was Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves. And those of you who were at the seminar yesterday know that I mentioned this book there because it is a good book in that it provides a very simple um, approach to emotional intelligence and description of emotional intelligence. I do think at times it's overly simplified, but as an introduction and an outline and overview, it is a very good job of presenting emotional intelligence and the different components of emotional intelligence. So to begin with, the authors talk about why emotional intelligence is important. To begin with, IQ, which is intelligence quotient or um, tests that were designed to measure our intelligence, they were designed in order to predict how people would perform, how well they would do in school or in the workplace. People wanted to come up with a way to measure that. Let's give people a test and then be able to predict how successful they're going to be or who we should recruit for our school or our company based on their scores. However, research has found that people with high IQs outperform those with average IQs only 20% of the time. So the research is showing us that IQ is not indeed predicting success. It's missing a lot. So really, it's only predicting about 20% of what is um, the difference between people who do well and those who do not. And more and more research is pointing to emotional intelligence 
as playing a big part in actually explaining what makes people more successful, both professionally and personally in their lives. And if you ask me, it's not even close. EQ or emotional intelligence is far more important than IQ when it comes to how happy someone is going to be much more important. And it's because of that, it's important for us to focus on it. Now, the other good news is, or the good news is that unlike IQ, which is fairly fixed and doesn't really change um, throughout the course of your life, you can't do much to improve it. EQ definitely can be worked on and we can improve it. So this is good news when we consider that the factor that is more important is the one that we actually can improve. If it was your IQ determined your success and your happiness, well, you would have no way of changing that. But when we see that EQ plays a bigger role, then we see it's good that that's the one that we actually can work on and improve. And in order to do so, we have to turn our attention towards it and work on it, which I'll talk a bit about. Now, the book also describes why emotions are important, because sometimes people like to think maybe they're not so important or maybe... Uh, we can ignore them, or maybe I can just ignore those and focus on being rational and logical, which a lot of people try to do. But we know this can't work because we always have an emotional state. Everyone has emotions. So sometimes people like to say, oh, she's emotional or he's emotional or that person is not emotional. Usually we're talking about people who are emotionally expressive or how extreme they express their emotions. Because everyone is, by being a human being, emotional in that they have emotions. And part of this is because the way our brains are designed, the information enters first to the brain stem, and then it passes through to the limbic system, which is the emotional center of the brain, and this includes the amygdala, until it then reaches the frontal lobe. So essentially, information must pass through the emotional centers of the brain before it gets to the rational, logical, or reasoning part of our brain. So we know that emotions are important. We know that they're always there and that our emotions are always going to be at play. By having high emotional intelligence, all that means is that I'm going to be aware of this information that is coming in and that can help me use it to make better decisions and to guide my behavior. And that's what we're talking about. Emotional intelligence doesn't mean I become more emotional or just let my emotions make my decisions. Rather, it means that I'm going to use that information that my emotions give me to help inform me to make a better decision. So we take the rational, logical side, we take the emotional side, and we come to a conclusion that makes the most sense. So it's a more informed decision when we use our emotions as well as our logical side. So to ignore our emotions is hurtful and is ignoring valuable information, but to integrate the emotional and the rational, that's what we should seek and that's what we want to strive to do. And that's what emotional intelligence is about, to use our emotions to help guide us, but not to make the decisions on their own. Now, the book divides emotional intelligence into four components that fall under two competence areas. Um, and I like the way that they do this, and other people have done this as well. But I think it's a very simplistic, yet a good overview and includes the really important parts of emotional intelligence. So we have the personal competence or the personal domain and the social domain. Within the personal domain, there are two sub-components. One is self-awareness 
and the other is self-management. And within the social domain, there is social awareness and relationship management. So if we start with personal competence, the first component here is self-awareness. And self-awareness is really the foundational skill of EQ, of emotional intelligence. And that's how the authors describe it in this book. That self-awareness really is our pillar for how we build the rest of our emotional intelligence. So in that way, we can say it is maybe the most important one of all the four components we have here. Because really, you need to have a high degree of self-awareness to be better at the other skills. Or to say it another way, if you have low self-awareness or if you are low in self-awareness, it's not likely you'll be very high or very strong in the other skills or the other domains. And we can measure EQ, and I talked about this yesterday. There aren't really some standardized measures on EQ yet, but the measures they have in this book, which I don't think they've been validated through research, but you can still use them, they give you a different score on the four domains or these four areas. So you can have you can be high on one and lower on the other, or vice versa. You can have four different scores. But so self-awareness, as the name implies, is having an understanding and a connection to my emotions and my thoughts and understanding my tendencies across situations. Now, knowing our emotions, as simple as it sounds, is actually much more complicated than you might think. And they talk about a study they did in this book where only 36% of people could accurately identify their emotional state at a given time. 36%, that's about one out of every three. So we see that most people actually have a hard time with this process of being in touch with their feelings, knowing their own feelings and knowing who they are at that core of understanding their emotions. And even beyond just knowing what you're feeling at a given time, it's about understanding the why. Okay, if I'm sad in this situation, why am I sad? Is it from something that someone said? Am I feeling lonely? Um, am I upset about something? What's going on? And I explained each of the four components in a lot more detail yesterday, but because I'm just going to devote one segment of the show to this, I'll be a little bit more brief and summarize them. But emotional intelligence involves, first and foremost, this self-awareness, being in touch with what I'm feeling, knowing what I'm feeling. And then that brings us to the next component of the personal domain, which is self-management. Now using this information about my emotions by knowing what I feel, I manage my behavior with that information. And also I manage my emotions. So if I'm feeling very stressed out, I know maybe I need to take a break. Or if I'm very angry, I'm having an argument with my, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my husband, my wife, I know that I need a few minutes, maybe 15, 20 minutes to calm down before I continue. I can manage my emotions. But you can see that if I don't know what I'm feeling, I won't know how to manage them. So we do need to have that self-awareness first. So self-management is how do I manage my behaviors based on my emotions? What are my coping mechanisms? If I'm stressed out, do I go use drugs or do I take a bath or go get a massage or exercise? Someone who's high in self-management knows the healthy ways to cope with their feelings. Someone who's low won't know how to cope with their emotions and might do it in unfortunately, unhealthy ways that cause more problems for themselves. Now let's move on to the social domain. And here again, there's also two skill sets. The first one is social awareness. Now this is how good I am at picking up other people's emotions and understanding them. How good am I looking at someone and 
conversing with them and understanding, okay, this person is upset, and then taking that one step further again, the why. Why are they upset? Can I put myself in their shoes to understand what they're going through? And so social awareness includes this aspect of empathy. Can I feel for other people and understand what they're going through? Some people naturally are better at this, but the research they talk about in this book shows that you can improve on this skill. You might have a different starting point, but you can work on yourself and become better at it. So you want to, uh, social awareness includes how well we pick up other people's feelings, how well we understand them, and this helps us then connect with other people. Now, first and foremost, this means that we have to genuinely care about other people. You can't really fake empathy, or you can only do that so much. You have to genuinely care about them to connect with them and show them that concern. Fake empathy or trying to pretend like you care doesn't go very far. People will soon enough recognize that you're not genuine. So really for me, in order to have strong social awareness, you have to have a care and concern for other people and to try to understand and accept them and care to understand and accept them. And then the last component is relationship management. And this fourth skill really comes from the other three domains, or you need the other three. I need to understand myself and understand how I am best at taking care of myself, and I have to understand other people in order to create good relationships. So relationship management is how do I use all this information to then create healthy and happy, strong relationships in my life. And the research on long-term happiness shows us that the quality of our relationships are what's most important to living a happy life or the best predictor of what will allow us to live a happy life. So we can see again why EQ is so important because we use all these components to help create a better relationship with ourselves, to better take care of ourselves, and to create better relationships in our lives, all of which contribute to a better sense of overall well-being. So relationship management also includes our communication styles or how we communicate with other people, um, the time we devote to our relationships and do we actually focus on them and make them a priority? What are all the things that we do to make our relationships work? And this takes time. So all these four components, we have self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. These are the four domains of emotional intelligence as described in this book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And the good thing about this book is they give you some practice exercises that you can do for each of the four areas to help improve your uh, competency in that area. So you can try different things to improve your self-awareness, your self-management, social awareness, relationship management. It gives you different exercise, some practical things that you can do to try to get better at these things. So I'd recommend this book. As I said before, it has a, um, it's a simplified view of emotional intelligence. There might be other books that explain it at a deeper level, but I think it's a very good introduction or even if you're familiar with emotional intelligence, it gives you a good overview. So I would recommend reading this book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury and Jean Greaves. And before we go to the commercial break, I'll announce again the book for this coming week is The Upward Spiral by Dr. Alex Korb. The Upward Spiral, and you'll see a picture of the book on my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, probably by tonight or tomorrow, to make sure you're getting the right book of the week. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310 You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello? Yes, hi. Hi, um, I'm calling regarding uh, my sister problem. Your sister's problem? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, she has a, she's 30, uh, she's uh, 27 right now, and uh, she's single. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and I mean, she's uh, currently living in Iran, uh, and I'm calling on behalf of her. So uh, she has, um, I mean, to me, she, I mean, I don't know how to uh, or where to start from. Uh, do you want me to give some sort of, like, uh, description about her? And then, because her problem to me looks like depression, but I don't know to what extent or, okay. like, Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd want to get a background, and then you know, always it's going to be different hearing it from you. Um, but you know, we're oh, going to do the best. Oh, no, I mean, oh. you know, but we're going to do the best that we can with it. Uh, you know, you can give me a good description of her, and we'll see where we can go from there. But yeah, give me a little bit of a background of her and your family. So you're her sister. Do you guys have any other siblings? Yeah. So actually, can you hear me better now? It actually got worse. <laughs> okay. Perfect. No. I'm sorry. I, I was in the under. Um, it was on the speaker. So yeah, actually, it I got a little a, bit. It got a little quieter though. Can you put your mouth oh, closer to? Oh, now oh. you're better actually. Okay, go ahead. Now better. Yes. Okay, sorry. No problem. Um. So yeah, um, my I have a one year older brother, and uh, my sister is a four year uh, four years younger. Uh, so I came to the U.S. four years ago, and uh, for the and I'm working on my PhD right now. Mm-hmm. Um. So. If I want to like uh, talk about a little about background, my, my parents or my parents, uh, my dad he actually he works um, at university, so he teaches at university. Um, but and you know like uh, <laughs> um, you know continued the education is a really big deal in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there there were always like a kind of you know do and don't a lot of do and don't in our family. Uh, that always also like irritated me too, but I think my uh, younger sister, um, I don't know, like she couldn't take it that much, and uh, right now <laughs> she's the only one in the in the in the in the, my daddy's house, and she really <laughs> she's uh, sick of everything. And once I um, once in a while, I, when I talk to her, she says she would say that she would tell me that. She's really tired. She doesn't have any uh, motivation or, you know, um, any energy to do anything. And sometimes she would prefer just not to leave anymore. Um, mm. So, I mean, I I mean, I knew that uh, she's kind of like she doesn't have enough motivation to go forward and just, uh, you know, like um, just. Do some make some changes in her life, uh, but I didn't know to this extent. She's so, yeah. <laughs> um, <you laughs> know. yeah. Well, that's obviously a concern if she's talking about suicide. Um, you know, although even talking about suicide, there's a huge range of, of suicide. And the reason why I say this because sometimes people think, well, if someone says the word suicide, then you have to call 911 immediately and do something about it. Not necessarily. Because if someone just says, oh, I wish I'm having going through so much, so I almost wish I can't handle it, I wasn't here. That's different from someone who says, tomorrow morning I'm going to take these pills to kill myself. So there's a huge range of suicidal ideation or thinking and suicidal intent. 
but I would say with your sister when she brings it up, um, that you take it seriously. And by take it seriously, I mean that you ask her about it. Is is she serious when she says that, or how serious it she is? And clearly, she's telling you she's not doing well. So, did you ask her about that when she brought up that she, you know, almost thinks she can't? I actually, take- di- actually didn't. Um, so, like, I asked her a couple of questions because I wanted to call you and ask you this question. Uh, I just kind of had a like an interview kind of question to just uh, know what what's going on with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when we finished talking, I mean, when she explained when like this kind of problem when 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 it when did it start? Uh, she told me that when we finished the whole conversation, uh, she actually texted me and said, oh, by the way, don't forget that uh, <laughs> to tell him that uh, I sometimes I really feel like I don't really want to leave anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think I wish I wasn't alive or whatever. So, Well, that's, that's very was, concerning. Uh, the fact that she's telling it to you makes me less concerned in this very moment because she wants you to talk to me and you know so you don't need to hang up and call her necessarily but you know that's very concerning that that she's saying that that clearly are indications that she's very unhappy and you're asking about depression there's a good chance that she's depressed although she might also just be very upset about her circumstances and wants that to change but what she seems to be feeling just based on that sounds like depression is going to be a part of it but definitely tell me more but i would also say again when you talk to her i would talk about that thought about suicide and really just check in and i'm saying this to you but also to anyone listening because most people are afraid to talk about suicide so we think we have to avoid it or oh they just said it they probably don't mean it or you know i don't want to talk about it because maybe that makes it more of a big deal to them and then they might do it which we know is not how it goes so i don't want you to be afraid to talk to her about that. And when she brings it up, and you let her know it's, you know, you take that seriously. So if she ever brings it up, you do take that seriously. And for anyone listening, I hope they listen to that too. That if someone seems suicidal or brings up suicide in any direct or indirect way, that you take it seriously and you let them know, I'm always going to take that seriously because that's a serious, serious issue that sometimes people ignore and then it's really something there. And unfortunately, the tragic happens. But um, and go ahead, tell me more about what, what she's going through. Yeah, so technically, I mean, she's been, uh, she's actually been working. And so, like, we have, a, like, a, like, a family sort of company, and uh, currently she's, she's been working there for almost, like, four or, I guess, five years. Mm, so, like, when I usually talk about, like, I used to work in the same company uh, when I was back in Iran, but, uh, like, I really didn't feel like I just, this is a place that I have to be, and I, so when I usually talk about, uh, like, the, um, the work environment, she complains a lot about the, her, like, work environment, so, well, uh, there are a lot of uh, pressure under me, um, I'm under a lot of pressure, and everything looks like a sort of monotonic to me. Mm-hmm. And even though if I if I make any change, when I talk to her about if you can make some changes, she made some changes. She, you know, she moved from one department to another, but still, like, like I guess I think the pressure and tension is more in this department, mm-hmm. in the department. So, yeah, kind of, I believe um, 
she she's not really uh, she can't say no to what she doesn't like to do so like she tried to she tried to be flexible and do things uh, that she doesn't like and she's getting to this to the extent that she's getting so indifferent mm-hmm. you know what well, I mean well there's so, a difference between flexibility and passivity so exactly. flexibility mm-hmm. means i kind of see what's going on and i can roll with the punches roll with the waves to see what makes the most sense being passive is when i just accept anything because i want to avoid conflict for exactly. a various think, reasons so yeah. it sounds like more it's the second one where she's avoiding conflict and being yeah. passive more than mm-hmm. she's flexible because if you're flexible a key distinction is when you're flexible you're happy with what you're doing it feels good to you so you're going okay oh we're going to do it this way we need to change this let's go and it feels very smooth and good when you're being passive you're actually not feeling good you start to resent the people because you're doing things you don't want to do but only because you're avoiding conflict and you're avoiding sharing your opinion or what you think in a way to avoid the conflict you're going to feel bad so it doesn't feel good and so right. the way you're describing her she's upset with what's going on and to me that sounds much more like she's being passive now that being said you said it's a family business yes uh-huh. okay what kind of business is it and what does she do because for me what's important is she might not be happy there or might not be the right career for her and that itself can lead to or contribute let's say to feeling depressed if we're not doing something that's meaningful for us in our life and especially the way you described your family as being very um lots of do's and don'ts and very critical it might not be the mm-hmm. best for her to be for her to be in that environment either but what kind of business is it and what does she do there so basically i mean it's a very extended business but uh, kind of a company that she com- currently working as the like um uh so manufacturing company okay um but she she actually is in the sales uh, import and export department uh so like in the sales department i guess um and uh, i think related to her kind of her major um, what she studied in the university i think more like a planning planning for sales um, you know, kind of, um, she's in contact with customer, like especially international customer, and uh, you know, like once she, I was talking to her, and she she told me that, you know, I have to satisfy my uncles, <laughs> which uh, he told mm-hmm. he, he usually tells me it's really demand he's really demanding, and at the same time. He, I never got enough uh, training, and at the same time, I just since uh, you know, like uh, I'm working in a company, kind of like family-based company, I don't want to like be separated from like my other co-workers, and I try to be friendly with them. So, and I try to deal with customers. So there are a lot of different aspects that mm-hmm. she tries to catch up with, and um, sometimes um, she, I didn't know this aspect from her, but she told me that. Um, in the beginning of her job, she was really, <laughs> um, even she was criticized for not doing a good job mm-hmm. in her, you know, like in her position. So she was really desperate in the beginning and she was, she was, uh, she kept telling us that I want to quit. I know, and I don't want to go. And like my mom used to like, uh, 
kind of push her forward and say, no, why, like, what do you want to do? Like, if you want to just come, um, just uh, stay home and what else do you want to well, do? Well, she can't get a job somewhere else? Why, what, why is it only there and nowhere else? Well, um, yeah, actually, um, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, this is a, another thing. Like, sometimes I tell her, like, why don't you jo- go and find a job another place? But she said, well, and, you know, like, she doesn't, she's so indifferent in terms of, like, why should I find a job? Or, like, even she, well, she got accepted. So why is that she's not happy there? I mean, that's that's the why I would say. But, you know, something else is coming to my mind. The way you're describing, you know, just very general, like the, the do's and don'ts of the family, the criticalness that you're talking about, a critical attitude that is there. A lot of times what that does is it, in the kids, it can create this feeling of losing their independence or losing their belief mm-hmm. in themselves to make choices because someone is yeah. keep telling you, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. You have to do it this way, you're not doing it that way. So now when they have to make their own decisions, it's not easy for them. Because the way you describe her, you said she lacks motivation. And maybe that's true. She also maybe lacks initiative or the belief in herself to make the choice or that she can make it on her own. So it, it can fit into this narrative that you're describing of her staying at the family job, even though she's unhappy, but maybe afraid to take the leap to try to have a better job somewhere else. Um, where she actually might be happier and, and doesn't have to deal with this because she's afraid, maybe she's afraid she can't do it and doesn't have that belief in herself. That's exactly another thing because once I actually tried, the, like I was, uh, I she asked me if you could help me to just um, get an admission from one of the U.S. universities. So I tried hard to actually convince her, okay, if you want to come over here, you should like pass the TOEFL exam. And you should do this, you should do that. And she said, well, I'm so, like, I don't, I can't go through all these challenges. Um, but um, I, why don't you just find me, a, like, an English institute and just I would come over and start, like, if I want to learn English here, why should I, why I, maybe I can come over there and start, like, a, like an English school over mm-hmm. there. Um, and I... I mean, I know that there is a very little chance of like getting it. I mean, I mean, the admission isn't wasn't difficult. I got the admission for her, and uh, I kind of uh, she actually went to the like embassy, but she got uh, rejected oh, for okay. the visa. So, so she did try, but but it's that, interesting, you know. I mean, there's also another element of her being the youngest, um, where it seems like she's enough. Maybe that also contributes to her not taking the initiative. She was used to someone else taking care of things for her. Sometimes, right. you know, a lot of times out of her control, because again, in this critical household, I'm sure there was a lot of, you're doing it wrong, so do it this way. Um, but, you know, it seems like it's hard for her to get herself going, which is what she's going to need to do. Even right now, it is kind of interesting you're calling on her behalf. Um, that, that's another uh, display of this that she has a hard time doing it on her own. W- was it th- was the language the reason why you called on her behalf? So yeah, I mean, um, basically, I mean the time the time difference and the one other concern was um, like she was a little bit un- uncomfortable talking while my parents are there. Uh, mm-hmm. Like <laughs> when when she's uh, like even she didn't talk to me explaining her problem. For weeks, and she said, "Well, like my parents are around, I can't talk to you. Let me just call you when, whenever you know, I feel more comfortable." Yeah, well, that, I mean, here. that's a you know, but that also shows a problem that she can't 
express herself, be herself around them. Um, you know, exactly. and that yeah. that's a problem too. I, it's, this is a bad, you know, the setup she has is not very good, especially she's at a job she doesn't seem to like, she doesn't feel good about it. And of course, I don't want to just blame her for her motivation because on top of maybe already it was something not easy for her. If she's in fact feeling depressed, that takes away our self-esteem, um, our belief and your motivation is going to be way less if you are actually feeling depressed. So it could, she could be, you know, it's interesting. The book of this week that I was just mentioning is called The Upward Spiral. And the reason why it's titled that is because depression tends to put us in a downward spiral. People feel worse about themselves. They isolate themselves. They do less. The less they do, they feel bad about themselves. The less they want to see people. And it just kind of builds on and on itself, unfortunately. And what this book is suggesting is it gives these ways that we can do things like exercise, meditation, um, social support, other things that it talks about to make a positive change and try to change it from a downward spiral to an upward spiral. So I, I just will mention mm -hmm. that book again since it is the book of the week, but it's yeah. kind of addressing this mm -hmm. issue. But, you know, there's more for us to talk about, and we're at a commercial break. So hold on the line, and after the okay. break, we'll talk a bit more about what's going on and maybe what she can do, okay? okay? Thank you All so right, much. thank you. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delokwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to the caller we were with before the break. Caller, are you still there? Okay. Can, yes. Uh, can you, yes, can hear you fine. Okay, perfect. So one thing I actually wanted to um, to tell you, but I forgot, uh, like, is about my my parents' um, uh, relationship. Uh -huh. So, I'm, I mean, like, my personal opinion about their relationship is really... Um, their their relationship is really poor. I guess mm -hmm. from ten, I would say, three, Like yeah, especially because um, you know having a controlling sort of like behavior, and um, and just not being able to communicate uh, their you know their needs. Uh, it actually makes it, uh, a lot put, puts us puts us into a lot of challenges while we were growing up. And we always I remember as a kid. We always had some sort of like um, struggle and challenge with our parents. Always they were like fighting with. I mean, not, I mean when I say fighting, like kind of just it was like like oral or arguing, uh -huh. you know, mm -hmm. kind of uh, that kind of a cha challenge. And we kept uh, put uh, put them together and just make them closer to each other. You guys had to do well, that. Yeah. The kids. You guys would be the peacemakers. All three of you, or she was actually so after I uh, after I moved to here, mm -hmm. so she had this role. But, and, but I mean, she's can like, I ask you a question? Like, Did you move or run away? To be honest, I should say I run away. Yeah, okay, sounds like it. But unfortunately, your sister is still back there. It doesn't sound like she's in a good situation. Okay, so when you left, you were going to say. It, now that your sister takes on that role all by herself? Yeah, I mean, she is right now. She's really tired, and she doesn't really care. And whenever it happens, like, whenever they start, like, uh, just having those sort of, like, uh, disagreement, she just turns away and says, well, whatever you want, you guys want to do, I just want to... <laughs> well, that's how it I always should have been. To. You know, parents should not be... If you're arguing and yelling in front of your kids, that's not good. 
what I always say is that, uh, you know, the anger between the parents is kind of like a poison, like it's like smoke that goes through the house and the other kids right. pick it up. So it's a bad thing. If you're arguing and yelling, you think oh, all couples do this, you don't need to be yelling at each other, especially regularly. Yeah, if it happens once every, you know, so often in a blue moon, that can happen and still it shouldn't get too intense. But if you're regularly having these type of arguments, you need help. Your relationship needs help or your relationship needs to end. So do one or the other. And absolutely not should the kids be responsible or any way playing peacemaker between the parents and becoming couples therapists when they're kids themselves. I mean, in that way, it's like the roles are being reversed. The parents are supposed to take care of the kids. The kids aren't supposed to be taking care of the parents. So even the way you describe it, now she's tired. Well, it was never supposed to be her job to begin with. Even if she's an adult now, she is not supposed to help her parents' problems. They need to figure it out on their own, and it's not up to her. But still, being in that home, if they're constantly fighting and arguing and bickering, I'm sure that's not contributing at all to her happiness or well-being. And being in that environment is not going to be good for her either. Actually, for a while, um, like I have a grandma um, uh, that uh, she's actually living in a big house, so, and she's currently alone. So for a while, for five or, I don't know, six, seven years or more, I don't remember really, she was the person who take care of her, like sleeping a week in her house. Your you sister know, was? Like, Yes. So I used to do the same thing because, you know, like she's old. Uh, I mean, although she's very, you know, like she's doing all her, uh, you know, all her work uh, alone and, you know, very, um, you know, very um, energetic or something, uh, something like that. But uh, we still like my uh, like the my aunties and uncles, they were kind of worried about her blood pressure to go up and down during the night. So. Uh, we took turn um, to stay with her at night. So, like, after some point, none of uh, the grandchild were really wanted to take turn, and she was the only one to, mm. like, kind of feel guilty that she kept, like, staying or, like, like I was saying overnight with her for like, I, I don't remember, or what it was more than four or seven years. Wow. So, Which you would sleep yeah. at your grandmother's place? Yeah, we were, like, she has a very, like, she would, she's really, she's not really mm, the kind of, mm, the, the, she's not uh, the kind of person to say, do this or do, don't do this. So, like, you have more freedom in her place. Sure. Uh, no, but, but that that could be good. Time, but but the, the, the issue, I mean, it, it seems to be coming up more and more is that your sister learned from a young age that, like, her needs didn't really matter. And she was taking exactly. care of other people. Uh, your parents' arguments, your grandmother, and that also makes her not have the self-esteem and belief in herself, but also not even think about what she needs or wants, but she still feels unhappy. Because one of the first things you said is that she seems really unhappy, but she doesn't have the motivation to make the changes she needs to make. So on one hand, and maybe she doesn't even feel she deserves better, but also mm -hmm. she might not believe in herself that she can create better for herself because... What you're describing is a recipe to be unhappy, to be in a home where there's constant fighting and bickering, um, to work somewhere where you don't feel happy. It's a family business. You feel stuck there. You're not feeling like you're really, I don't know if she feels like she's applying her skills or using herself to her full potential, but it doesn't seem like a good life. What's her 
social and romantic life like? Her, her, uh, her social and romantic life? Uh-huh. Uh, so if you want to talk about yourself, you can, but since we're focused on her, we'll, we'll stick to her uh, yeah, for now. Yeah, no, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, she actually, that's actually another weird thing about her because uh, um, she, I mean, she is, Right now, like in a kind of like a very like a long distance relationship, mm -hmm. which we are not really sure the guy that she is in relationship with, they don't get to see each other that much, like very often, very, very, I mean, very, in, uh -huh. I don't know, a couple of months or whatever, or they just like maybe talking on the phone or whatever. We don't know too much about that. But um, once I talked to her, she told me that, um, I think she he likes me. I told I asked her if he ever told you that he likes you, but she said, "Well, she doesn't. He doesn't tell me he likes me, but um, from my understanding, he he likes me, and I know who the guy, and I know that he actually." <laughs> He, he has a like he he doesn't have a good temper and like he got angry really quickly and um, I mean he's not a kind of guy that uh, I would think she <laughs> uh, would feel happy and yeah. uh, she doesn't if he, she spends some time with him he, she would realize it but since they are far like in a long distance relationship uh, she doesn't move on like she has a lot of other people that they with the comment yeah, uh, sure. I mean, I, but again, you know, this kind of does fit the same story that one, you're right, in long distance relationships, we don't get to learn about the person as quickly. That's true. Um, but also, it seems like she, her self esteem is low. I'm not surprised she's with someone who isn't that good to her. But also, um, the anger, it seems like in your family, there's a lot of anger. So I'm not surprised she found someone angry who's going to be critical mm -hmm. with her because that's what. She is, she is used to, and you, you know, you asked her, has he told you if he likes you? And yeah, something. If you're dating someone or you're in a romantic relationship, you shouldn't be doubting if they like you or not. That itself is a problem. It should be basically so in your face that you don't question it. So something's not okay there, clearly. But I'm still getting the picture of a girl who has low self-esteem and self-worth as far as how she believes in herself. Doesn't believe in herself either that she can really do much and feels very stuck and probably herself has a lot of anger in her my guess is exactly. she's someone very angry and maybe she doesn't even express it but she might even liken this guy that he expresses the feeling that she has within her sometimes we see that in relationships people end up being with someone who expresses a feeling that they have a hard time expressing because they kind of feel like they almost can live through them but unfortunately it tends to backfire in the course of the relationship but you know, your sister sounds very unhappy and she does need to make some big changes. But, you know, like you said, to start off, you might be concerned that she doesn't have the motivation to actually go through with it. But the way her life is going, I don't see, you know, I would recommend she sees a, a therapist. Absolutely. I, is she seeing a therapist, by the way? So, like, uh, again, yeah. So, like, um, she uh, went to see two different therapists. Mm -hmm. uh, and she talked to two of them, but after a while, like one of them told him, uh, told her that you have to um, think what you want to do. You haven't made good decisions so far. You have to think what you want to do, and then 
and she was like complaining why he doesn't tell he doesn't tell me that what should I do like if I wanted to think on my own I would have done it before I'm stuck and he, so she stopped like going to the therapy well and you the, know the other one well I'll say this you know I don't know if I would tell her she's making bad decisions and say good luck but I wouldn't also want someone to make the decisions for her because that's been her problem and she does need to make the decisions and people come to therapy and sometimes they think the therapist will tell them do this or do that but most of the time the therapist is going to help you find your true answer for yourself to come to your decision so i hope she would continue okay but that was the first one what happened with the second one the 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 second one also like the he went through the like more general kind of the inner child and the, like being like the mature like a model or whatever mm-hmm. and then this model so she got the tired and said well i have a specific uh, problem like these are good things to learn but i'm stuck and i'm suffering from specific um, situation from specific situation and uh, she, he keeps just keep telling me some sort of like uh, general like approaches about like how to uh, show a, like how to like behave in a way to overcome myself. So like she was impatient to kind of go over to like yeah. the whole therapy. Well, I mean, if and you know that, I'm not saying I don't know if this therapist was right for her. It's very important to feel a good match, but you know, let her know if you talk to her that she has to be ready to go to therapy for at least six months to a year with the same therapist. So if she thinks she's going to go a few times and fix her problems. She's going to, you know, not find, make it to her result and she's just going to quit before she actually can make progress. So let her know that therapy takes time. You know, I think sometimes people think uh, I have uh, an issue. I'm going to go to the therapist. We're going to fix it. It's kind of like if you are out of shape and you want to have a six pack and be totally in shape after working out two times. It just doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. The issue you're dealing with, you've been dealing with for years. So your body has developed it for years and now you want it to change. It takes time. So. Let her know it's going to take some time, but also it doesn't seem likely that based on what she's created around herself, and I hope she hears it that way, that she's responsible for her life. So, yes, it's a family business. Yes, the family makes her feel stuck, all those kinds of things. But now as a 27-year-old, I know in Iran and in the Iranian culture, it's not so simple, especially as a woman, but I would encourage her to recognize that she has to create the life that is better for her. And living at home and staying at that job don't seem to have that for her, at least the way you described it to me. So I would hope that she recognizes that without making those big changes in her life, she's going to, to stay unhappy. But also I'd recommend highly that she goes to therapy and even, you know, they might recommend she gets medication depending on how depressed she is. Since she mentioned suicide, I would be concerned that her depression is very serious. So she might need an antidepressant or would benefit from antidepressant for some time as well. But those two things she needs first as far as treatment goes. But to make the changes in her life is very important. Um, Also, I'd want her to go to therapy because the relationship you're describing, and it doesn't seem like it's much of a relationship, is coming from her sense of low self-esteem and also the issues she had from her past and doesn't sound very healthy. So I'd hope she would change that or even end that relationship if it's the way you're describing it. But she needs to make some big changes in order to be happy. She can't assume that somehow it's just going to change or hope that it's going to change. She has to create the change that's going to make her happy. That's the only hope she has. So do you think, uh, given this current situation uh, that I actually explained, uh, do you think, like, uh, if I, like, talk to her more and suggest her some other... 
like um, you know because I keep sometimes I feel like I am like my parents and I tell her like what to do what not to do and at some point I thought maybe I should quit and not to tell her what to do and just um, you know like be very friendly with her so um, and sometimes I feel like I shouldn't really interfere with like her private life and ask her because she usually doesn't talk that much and when I put her into challenge you know like she just she stopped talking. And yeah, she I, I have quiet. to wrap up the show in like ten seconds. Okay. I just took a look at the clock. Okay, okay, okay. No, I, so I would say I wouldn't say it's black or white. I would stop telling her what to do because I think that's a big problem for her. She's afraid to make choices for herself because she never was okay. allowed to make them, and she was told always she makes the wrong choices. So you do want to pull back a little bit, but you can explore it with her. Okay, well, what kind of job would you want? Not leave that. Do this. What do you, and that's what happens in therapy. They don't say, leave your job, do this, break up with that person. They don't do that. We're going to explore what would be good okay. for you. How do you feel in it? So I would talk to her more. I wouldn't say, now I'm just friendly and say, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You can have a conversation with her, but Make give sense. her more of the responsibility, but let her know it's her responsibility and she does have the ability to make her life better. But she has to make some changes that will be hard. It's not going to be easy to make change for anyone, but especially for someone like her. So I would keep that in mind. I would hope she can call in someday and I could talk to her Hopefully, directly. Yeah. But appreciate you thank calling you so in on much. her behalf. Thank you so much for your advice and uh, thank you for your time and have a wonderful uh, evening. Thank you so much. Thank you for your call. You. Tell her I wish her the best and have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Good thank bye. you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. All right. We've reached the end of the show. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fider Lockwee. Thank you to Amir here in the studio. All the callers and listeners out there, have a wonderful night.